looking at verse 28 is where we're going to start, and then we're going to kind of cruise around. Verse 28 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. We also see a companion text in Ephesians chapter 4 where he says that by the measure of Christ's grace, he has given us gifts. What are these gifts? Look down there at verse 11. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, teachers. We've been going through this because um, he starts out chapter 12, verse 1, that I don't want you to be ignorant about this. And what I see in the body of Christ today is huge ignorance about this. And that's what we're dealing with. And if you look at that outline that I've got given to you, we've been dealing with this. You'll see that it breaks down. There are gifts of men. There are gifts that strengthen, but there are also gifts that signal. And we're still working on gifts of men because there's five different kinds of men. Five different types of gifted people given to the body of Christ. The first was apostles. Second was prophets. Last week we looked at evangelists. Today we'll look at pastor, teacher. And then we'll see that there's another one that is just the teacher. All right. Apostles are basically, I look at it from, in my simplicity, you have capital A, capital R, and small a. Generic term for apostle is a messenger who is sent forth. Okay, if you're a believer today, you are a messenger sent forth. Christ has given you a message, and you are to take it forth to everybody that gets in your way. Okay, but there's a capital A apostle. And these were the guys who said, you know what? This is the foundation by which the church will be built on. Chief cornerstone was Jesus Christ. They laid doctrine. We hate that word. Ah, it's a doctrinal thing. I, it drives me nuts today to think that people, Christians, need to go learn doctrine at a college when it's the responsibility of the church to teach doctrine. Why? Because the, the apostles were global. They were taking this new understanding, this what I call the second incarnation. The second incarnation, Jesus Christ the second time is the body of Christ, the church. He is seen in the church. Okay, so the apostles were taking this amazing mystery that had been revealed and was taking it across the globe. You and I are products of the labors of the apostles. But you also saw that there were prophets. These were the office of prophets. These were men who were built on what the apostles had already taught, but they tended to be localized. They stayed in one area. All right, you see that they were there for a season. There was a time that there were apostles and there were prophets. Why? We had to have a foundation now that we have a doctrinal foundation we build off of the foundation how does god build off the foundation we looked at that you have evangelist an evangelist is a person who has a burning passion for lost people the baptists call it winning people to christ they're overwhelmed by it every child of god should have some desire to share the good news But an evangelist has an overwhelming desire and an ability that God has given them and called them for to reach lost people. Literally reach into the pits of death and draw them out and bring them in to the incarnation of Jesus Christ in the body of Christ, the church. Okay? Very simple, very easy. I want to touch a couple of things on evangelists before I move into the next one because this is one of the things that is missing today. Evangelist are to preach theology. Okay, we've got to understand that. You don't see the term that often in the New Testament. I showed you three times. 
Okay, we have Philip the evangelist. We know that the apostle or that Timothy was supposed to do the work of an evangelist. And there was Philip the evangelist. That's it. That's it. Okay, but I wanted to quickly just kind of review a thing on this because what you see today classified as evangelist. Hmm. I don't believe we're biblical. I do believe that the that evangelists move around. Absolutely. Okay? But what I see evangelists doing is reading a verse and then telling you ten stories and trying to make you to make a decision. Okay? That's not how evangelists works. Okay? Remember, Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 says this, Until I come... Now remember, I want you to be an evangelist. Until I come, verse 13 says, give attention. You know what that means, right? You need to be doing this. Give attention to public reading of scriptures, to exhortation, and to teaching. Okay? Read the text, explain the text, apply the text. Why? Because you're going to be doing the work of what? An evangelist. Okay? What that is, is what I told you was going on at Riverside, is expository preaching. Okay? Expository preaching is literally making the sense of it. What is it telling me? Right there is expository preaching. Give attention to public reading of the scriptures, to exhortation, and to teaching. Okay? Um... If you read on through that text, uh, verse 16, it says, Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. When you see the word teaching there, understand that in the original language, it is the same word can be translated doctrine. Pay attention to what you're teaching. Pay attention to what you're teaching. Pay attention to what you're teaching. Why? It better be doctrine. It better be doctrine. It better be doctrine. We do not need opinions or stories from the pulpit. Everybody in this room has an opinion. There's only one truth. Too many pulpits today. I finally found on my television these uh, the Christian channels. Channels. I didn't know it was such an animal, but I found them and I rest my case. Very cursory. I, you know, I've only been exposed to this reality for about a week now, and very simplistically, there's no doctrine. At all. There's some really cool stories. But there's no doctrine. There's no doctrine. That's troubling. That's troubling. Who is it then we are teaching? He tells Timothy, pay close attention to your doctrine. In chapter 4, verse 6, he says, pointing out these things... You know, that you are sanctified by the words of God in prayer. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will a, be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Don't we all want to hear, well done, true and faithful servant? Sound doctrine. Look, I, look what it says. In pointing out these things, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of sound doctrine, which you have been following. You want to be a good servant? You've got to be in the Bible. I know. God, that sounds legalistic. Here's your options. Don't get in the book. Don't be a good servant. 
That's not rocket science. I'm in the book. Why? Because I want to be a worker approved. Right? A dividing truth. You know why else I want to be in the Bible? I don't want to be deceived. There is so much, how shall I say it, minutia out there right now that the average Christian is dead meat. It's dead meat. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay, what was he talking about? Sound doctrine, sound doctrine, sound doctrine. Listen, it's got to be in depth. It's got to go deep. I was taught early in my walk, you go deep and got to take care of the rest of it. Okay, you got to get a hold of that. You know what? I, I, I pray for you guys on a regular basis. Why? Here's my biggest prayer. I have been given somewhere between 45 and 60 minutes to give you what I've studied 60 or 65 hours a week. Okay? You're getting robbed. So give it to my retirement and I'll get out of here. No, I just... <laughs> Why? It's sound doctrine. Why? Because I have to stand before God and give an account for what I have done in the body of Christ. You know what's crazy about that? You do too. Every single one of you. Yes, it's a good judgment. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? There's too many. We've already been warned in 1 Corinthians that too many are building with wood, hay, and stubble. When the fires come, what do they have? Ashes. How many Christians will stand before Jesus, their Lord, their Savior, and all they will be able to offer Him is a handful of ashes? Here's what I have. Ashes. He says, so be sure that you're building with precious stone, gold and silver. How do I do that? It's got to be sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. That's all I do. I mean, people say, that's all you do. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Why? Because I want to teach those who are faithful so that they will what? Teach. Listen, I don't preach to get people to do something. I am not a motivator. Too many evangelists today think they are motivators. That's nuts. That's nuts. Why? It will move on an emotion and emotion will last until what? Until you get in the parking lot. If that long. If you use truth, you are a teacher. If you do not use truth, I got a little sad, sad face on my notes. You know, and I thought, well, how, what do I use for this? Well, they could be a deceiver or you're deceived or just go down the line. Okay, now remember, I, give you, I wanted to go over this because here's the key. Chapter 4, verse 11 in Ephesians says that these are given for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry or service. Every child of God is a servant. They are being used to the degree and to the level of what they understand. You can't be used for more than God hasn't given you. Now listen, if you don't ever go to church, guess what? You're not being used. I can guarantee it. There's no plan B. 
God doesn't say, well, if that don't work, then we'll start a church organization and we'll go do this. We're No, if you're not in sound doctrine, if you are not appreciating the gifts that have been given to the body of Christ, then you are a bench warmer. You're sitting there. You're sitting there. Me and my buddy Ed, he's in the hospital. You're just taking, you're just using up valuable air that somebody else should be using. Okay? That's the key to spiritual gifts. All right? That is the key to the gifts of these individuals that have been given to the church. This is a good, tough text. All right. All of these gifts that I've laid out so far, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher, and the teacher are for the equipping of the saints. Okay? And Ephesians chapter 4, it says, some of your translations will say pastor and teacher. Okay? The word chi is the word and in the original language. It's not in the text. Okay, um, manuscripts that I've looked at, I've seen some that have add that take the English and translate it back to the Greek, and they'll translate and back, uh, but it's not in the text. So what it looks like in my reading, in my understanding, though feeble as it is, it's pastor teacher. Here's the reason that I agree with that. Okay, here he says <clears throat> there are second prophets, third teachers, in First Corinthians twelve twenty eight. In the Ephesians text, he says there are pastor teachers. Listen, you can be a teacher and not be a pastor. Okay? But you cannot be a pastor and not be a teacher. All right? So when I look at this text, I look at it as pastor teacher. All right? A lot of people try to say, well, doesn't the uh, evangelist fulfill the position of the uh, apostles and the pastor teacher fills the place of the prophets? Um, you know what? They're localized. Uh, where the apostles were more global and moved around. A lot of evangelists do that. Please understand when an evangelist does that, he needs to be accountable to a church for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Uh, too many, I don't think, do that. All right, and the pastor teacher is given to the church and to remain in a local congregation to minister, um, to minister, to serve the church's practical needs by applying doctrine. Okay, doesn't sound as glamorous as everybody wants it to be, does it? Okay, um, when I you see the word pastor. All right, it's the Greek word poimia. All right, now the Greek does some weird stuff here, and I don't want to get into the dynamics of the Greek language, but you can take one word, and depending on how you parse it, it can be uh, a verb or a noun, a male or a female, all on the same word. When I see the word poimia, I immediately shift to verb, even if it's parsed noun. You and I know, and those of you who grew up in the church, you know what the pastor is. Okay? Technically, in the original language, it's a verb, it's an action, and it deals with something that was considered the least respected job on the planet Earth at the writing of the New Testament. Shepherd. Okay? That would be sheep herder. 
farm boy. All right? That is what it's called. Shepherd. So what does this do? There are gifts of shepherds given to the congregation. What do they do? Well, they guard, defend, warn. You know, what does a shepherd do? Pick the bugs out of the sheep's ears. Um, you know, <laughs> it sure is getting less glamorous. Um, I only know one offensive tool that I have as a shepherd. Sort of truth. As scripture. And if you know me well enough or have been around me long enough, you'll know that that is all I do. With the sort of truth I can guard, I can defend, I can warn. Um, but I can also challenge with it. I can instruct with it. And you know what? I can probably get some people motivated by it. What I mean by that, I remember a few years ago, it's been longer than that, we were down at the old building, that there was a couple who came to visit. And they sat way back in the Baptist row. And um, there's a, a young couple, and he was just being thrilled by the word of God. And the more I preached, the matter she got. I mean, you can see it. It just, blood pressure's increasing. I almost was tempted to go an extra half an hour, see if I could get her to spontaneously combust. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> so when I got done, if you remember back then, I'd walk back to the end of the aisle, and she came up and got in my face, and she said, it is that patriarchal stuff that has oppressed women. And I said, amen. <laughs> and uh, she says, I don't believe a word you said. And I said, I tell you what, you go show me where I was wrong. I will, and I'll be back, and I'll show you. Okay? I just motivated her to get into the book, didn't I? Now, she never did come back, and I'm thinking I know why. But see what I mean? There is a motivating factor to it. Right? I've had people who've left this church and said, you know what? I've been here for years and years and years, and all I ever do is get convicted. And I looked at him, smiled, and said, then repent. <laughs> it's not that difficult. I mean, you act like it's my fault. I'm just telling you what the book says. All right? Listen, the difference between an evangelist and a pastor is duration. Okay? Uh, evangelists come in and lay churches, foundations, appoint leaders, and then move on, should. Okay? Again, they're accountable to a church. But when it comes to challenging, when it comes to instructing, when it comes to sometimes motivating, when it comes to guarding and walking the Scriptures, when it comes to defending the Scriptures, defending the flock and warning the flock, guarding the flock, guarding the Scriptures, um, that's where I'm at. I eat that up. Um, give me a big old pile of Christians and I can go all day. I can go all day. I know I can do that all day. I just got back from Russia from doing that very thing all day. I taught all day long and preached at night to a big old pile of Christians. And I said, this is good stuff here. Listen, I know in my heart, that's what God has called me to do. Okay. My heart's desire is for the people of God. 
That's my passion. Well, you mean you don't care about the world? (laughs) Truthfully? Yeah, I do. And here's how I care about the world. As the world is reached through you, I care about the world. All right? See, I understand my heart. I haven't had no experience. Uh, and, and probably next week I'll teach on calling. How do you know you have a calling? I've never had a lightning bolt. I never had a uh, sudden near-death experience or anything like that. Uh, people say, how were you called? And I was the last one here. Everybody else left and they said that we'll want to find a preacher. Will you teach whatever it is you're doing? And then since that time, everybody who was on that search committee has since vanished. And I wish they'd come back. Anyway. <laughs> What is a pastor teacher to do? What is a pastor teacher? What does he do? What is the basis? Let me give you a quick basis and then I'll, I'll show you. <sighs> show you my soul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 4, says this, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Okay, now understand who's writing this. This is an apostle, Paul, but he's showing, he's manifesting the heart of a pastor. Let me show you how I know this. So we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. All right. How does that look, Paul? We never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted this authority. But we proved, here it is, we proved gentle among you, How gentle. Probably the single greatest picture of gentleness that you can get. As a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Okay? As Paul says, here's here's how we were among you. Having a fond affection for you. How scary is that? We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God. Please keep a note of this. The gospel of God. Have you noticed how he keeps has a similar theme running through it? You want to be... As gentle as a nursing mother, how does it look? You impart to them the gospel of God. Well, but I think he ought to wave at me when he sees me on the street corner. No, it's not what it says. All right. Here's what it says. Gospel of God, but not only the gospel of God, our own lives. Why? Because you're very dear to us. Look what he says. You recall, brother and sister, our labor and hardship and how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you. We proclaim the gospel of God to you. Okay? You are witness, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know, we are exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you. Here's the other side of it. As a father would his own children. All right, so the pastor's heart is that of the gentleness of the nursing mother, but the prominence 
the teaching, the disciplining that happens from the Father. Which is both. Why? Because it is all coming through the gospel of God. All right? Why? What is the passion of the pastor? Look at it. Verse 12. You would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That is the passion of a pastor right there. Those verses summarize it as easy as any text that I can look at. Why? The heart's passion of any pastor, and I'm talking about the gifted, called men that God has given, not what you see. (laughs) Sorry. Should be that the people would walk in a manner worthy. All right? Got it? All right, I'm done. (laughs) No, I'm not. (sighs) Where do I want to go next? Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. One of my favorite texts in all of Holy Writ. Beginning at verse 17. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Let me show you something. What I shared with you in Thessalonians 2, 4 through 12, is a manifestation of a pastor. Okay? You want to see a pastor, that is the manifestation of a pastor. How does it break out? And the guys that have been in a leadership class will know what I'm talking about as soon as I go through it. There's six things that I see from a pastor, and I'm going to deal with all six of them in verses 17 through 38. Okay? Six things that a shepherd has to do. Okay? Listen, it's not the best out of the six. The guys asked me about that the other night, and they were all bummed out. It ain't the best out of the six. Okay? First of all, here's what they are, and then I'm going to show them to you through the text. First is that they need to lead. Okay? To lead, they have to know the will of God, and their lives have to show the will of God. Got that? There's a whole bunch of people who want to be leaders, but then I hear them running around saying, I don't know what the will of God is. You can't lead. You can't lead. All right? So they're going to lead first because they know the will of God, and second, their lives are showing the will of God. Okay? If they're doing that, then they will do the second one, which is feed. Feed. I bet you can't guess what. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it the gospel of God. You can call it sound words. You can call it sound doctrine. You can call it the testimony of the faith. You can call it the Bible. Okay? So they're going to feed. Why? Because if I'm leading, I know the will of God, and my life shows the example of God, then I can feed because I have sought the will of God. Remember what he says in chapter 12, verse 2? To know what is the acceptable Perfect will of God. How are you going to do that? Present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pure. How? Not being transformed by into this world, but being transformed. It's not rocket science. It's simplicity. All right? Why? Because I need to be alert. Why? I'm thinking that if he says that we need to be in this war, that we need to be soldiers, that we need to be farmers, that we need to be battling, that we are dealing with principalities and powers in high places, that there's some kind of altercation going on. In 90 AD, the Apostle John says, Many of false Christs have gone out before us. Paul is warning the Ephesian elders in this text that be on guard 
For wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. They may even rise up from among you. Speaking to the Ephesian elders. Guess what? They didn't heed the warning. They didn't heed it. Why? That's 1 Timothy. Paul says, I'm going on to Macedonia. I want you to stay in Ephesus and fix this mess. Why? There were some who were blaspheming God. They did not heed it. Let's see, one, two, three, four. Fourth thing, judge doctrine. Judge doctrine. I'll just give you the third one. Lead, feed, be alert for judge doctrine. Okay? You know what that implies? Yeah, you ought to know it. I mean, it's, I see people get deceived by busloads because they have no idea what the book says. But the guy's got to be real. He graduated with an MD, PHQ something or other. He's dressed in a suit. He's got to be a preacher. Okay? Look at, if you do not believe me that it ain't deceiving, Why? When you go to a Christian bookstore, is it so difficult to find a Bible? A Christian bookstore should sell one book. The Bible. But I go to a Christian bookstore and it says, this is the bestseller list. What is this? And go through those books and go straight to the back and see how many scripture references there are. What is it? Man's opinion. It's man's opinion. And you know what I've found most of the time? There is no exposition of Scripture. I had this experience, and I think this Scripture validates my experience. So what becomes the interpretive quality of Scripture? Experience. Well, gee, many crickets. I've seen Pink Floyd at Three River Stadium. That was an experience. Okay? I'm not going to try to figure out Scripture through it. I'm thinking that Jesus wasn't even there. Or if He was, He was just passing through. All right? Judge doctrine. Um, Fifthly, be courageous. Be courageous. You will have to stand when no one else can stand. You will stand when no one else will want to stand. You will stand and you will find that sometimes you are flat out on your own. You don't believe me? Last letter the Apostle Paul wrote said that at my judgment, no one stood with me, but that's all right. Christ was with me. Paul, this church in Corinth, people stood up when he attended one of the worship services and accused him. And no one in the church in Corinth stood up to defend Paul. There are times as a pastor, you will be by yourself. And brothers and sisters, I know that one well. Okay, let's jump into this. From Miltilus, I sent, he sent to Ephesus, called to him the elders of the church. Cool. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know. Here's what it says. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. Three years in the church in Ephesus. Three years. The whole time I was with you, verse 19 says, serving the Lord with what? No, no, no. You missed the word. All. 
Okay? I've seen people boast in their humility. But all humility says, who's adequate for this? You ever thought about it? Hebrews 13 says that I have to give an account for your souls. And you have no idea how much I've complained about that. You don't. I'm saying you're sovereign. Why do you blame me? You called me. It ain't my fault. I was minding my own business. He says, you'll give an account for the souls. I said, but Lord, they're your sheep. And if you'd let me shoot one, I could fix the rest. He says, no, that's not the way it works. Okay, think about that. Do you think about all the jobs and professions that look that are on the planet Earth today? There's a bunch of them. We can do a lot of weird stuff, can't we? How would you like to have the responsibility of the eternal souls of people? Even James says, you know what? Not many of you should be teachers. Why? This is a harsher judgment. Here's what I see in the pulpits and pastorates today. No humility. No humility. My Lord in His humor has allowed me to be exposed to some of the greatest pastors that this world has ever seen. Okay? And I mean to be intimate in my relationship with them, to sit down at a dinner table or something with them. I mean, I sat down with Adrian Rogers and had Memphis barbecue. And we could sit and talk about Delta Blues. Okay? And I could ask him questions. And where do you come up with these sermon titles? You got a book on it? Anyway, this is a long story. Dr. Olford, Stephen Olford, uh, John MacArthur, a number of these people. And I've had a chance to sit down and talk to them. And one of the things that I've seen in all of them is an absolute overwhelming humility. Okay? In all humility. How will you lead if you are not humble? If you're not humble, then you know where God's will is? No. (laughs) You don't. You ain't got a clue where God's will is. So it's in all humility. You're going to lead with humility. Look what else. There's the one that we struggle with. With tears. With tears. Humility says that I have absolutely no ability to do this. And God says, you're my man. And then you'll realize that one day that you wake many, many times weeping. Weeping. You weep for the lost. You weep for the deceived. You weep for the immature. You weep for the struggling. You weep over the threat of false teachers. You even weep when people come against you. I think it is maybe the most grievous job a man could ever have. And yet God calls him to it. With tears, with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. The plots of the Jews here would be those people who know their Bible well. And attack. And attack. Claiming they know the will of God. Okay, verse 20 says, Paul says, But I did not shrink from declaring you anything that was profitable 
Interesting statement, isn't it? And teaching you publicly and from house to house. You know what that means? Paul was a teaching machine. Publicly. That's what I'm doing right now. House to house. That would be house to house. That would be house to house. We have a home study Bible group. Okay. Publicly and house to house. Why? I want you to have the gospel of God, Paul says. You need to have the gospel of God, Paul says. Why? Because ravenous wolves will come in. Know this. Know this, he says. Know this. You need to know this. You need to not be ignorant of your spiritual gifts. You need to know these things. Why? Cruise on. Solemnly testifying both to Jews and Gentiles. You know what that means? Anybody that gets in my way, what am I going to do? I'm going to declare to you that that is profitable. Teaching you. I will teach you publicly. I will teach you in house to house. I will teach you publicly. I'll teach you in private. I'll sit down at a coffee table with you or I'll sit in an auditorium with you. Solemnly testifying to both the Jews and the Greek. I don't care who you are. Male, female, short, green, black, white, yellow, purple. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're wearing a mohawk. I don't care if you've got pierced eyebrows. I'm going to keep giving you that that is profitable. I'm going to keep giving you that that is profitable. What is profitable? Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22. Here's the man. He knows the will of God. Look what he says. Behold, bound in the spirit. It's a definite article there, so it should be capital spirit. I am bound by the spirit. The spirit of God has bound me. I am in chains. I am a prisoner. I'm on the way to Jerusalem knowing that, not knowing what will happen there, but I am bound in the spirit. I know I have to go to Jerusalem. I know I have to go do this. The Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me that in every city, and to me in every city, seeing bonds and afflictions wait me there. He says, I've been kind of killing time, trying to go around in these different places. But he knows what the will of God is. What is the will of God? You go to Jerusalem. That's that leading thing. Why? What does his life say? His life says, I'm bound to God. I do not consider my life of any account as dear to me. You want to see a true pastor? Be a person who has absolutely no concern for himself. It's amazing stuff right there, people. Do you see why I, it is so easy for me to say there are not that many pastors? I don't really have to go on. I do not consider my life as any account as dear to me, to myself. I finish this course. Ministry which I received in the Lord Jesus Christ to testify solemnly of the gospel of grace. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching will no longer see my face. See, he understood it. He understood what he was about. He understood that there was a war. He understood he needed to be in the will of God. He understood that his wife was his life was of no account to him and it had no meaning for him. He he understood that his primary focus in life was the will of God. Verse 26, he says, let me summarize what I'm telling you about here. Therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. (laughs) I love that verse. Okay, why? What's he doing? I'm testifying of Christ. I'm giving you everything that's profitable. I'm leading first in sound doctrine in a life that validates that sound doctrine. I am leading by what I'm preaching. And I'm preaching what I'm 
leading. I even know that if I go to Jerusalem, it's going to be bad news down there. But when I, I've got to go because the Holy Spirit has already told me and I'm going to go. But it ain't going to be no fun. That's all right. By my life and my actions, the innocent blood of men is not on my hands. It's not on my hands. Why? You lead by the will of God and you lead by the example of your life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. We looked at that in chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. This is the Spirit. Therefore, 27, I did not shrink back from declaring you what? The whole counsel, the whole purpose of God. I didn't shrink back. There wasn't a text here that I said, well, they're not going to handle that one. I'll pass over that. No. Did not shrink back. Then look what he says. You give the whole counsel of God. Why? Why do we want to get into this doctrine stuff? Verse 28. Be on guard in the flock. Be on guard for yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you. What's the term? Overseers. Some of your translation may say bishops. Some of your translation may say elders. Basically what it is, that's the office. And the function of the office is the next word. Poimia. You have oversight. Presbyteros. You have oversight. You oversee the flock that God has graced you with. If it's five, if it's 15, if it's 500, if it's 5,000. You have been given this gift, you have oversight over it, and you need to be shepherding it. How? You need to be on guard. On guard. You need to watch out for yourself and the flock. How? Full counsel of God. Full counsel of God. Okay? Piece of cake. Be on guard for yourselves, the whole flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer, an elder, a presbyteros, to poimia, shepherd. Okay, understand this. Whose church is it? God's church. The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Stop right there. That ought to be a motivator for anybody. Why? Pastoring is not a vocation. It is a gift from God. People have asked me, would you want your boys to go into it? Nope, never. I wouldn't wish this job on anybody. I wouldn't. Sorry. I have to give an account for your souls. Some of you are a little tough. Okay? Those would be the ones who ain't here today, right? (laughs) But you see what I'm trying to get at? I have to give an account. But let me tell you something. If my kids are called, don't kick against it. Go. Why? He has prepared, gifted, equipped you. All right? I am here for such a time as this. Let me show you what happens here. I know, he says, this church purchased by the blood of Christ. I know. Please understand that word. Okay? I know that after my departure... Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things. And here is their purpose. 
to draw away the disciples after them. They want followers. What do you hear in the church today? Numbers. I want followers. Are they leading? Are they feeding? Are they alert? Are they courageous? Do they care? Okay? Let me show you. Let's read on. Therefore, here's what he says. They want to draw away. Be alert. Pay attention. Judge doctrine. You need to see this. Therefore, be alert. Okay, world needs more alerts. Remembering that... See what it says? This is before the invention of cell phones. Remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one. How? With tears. With tears. Correct people. That's what admonish means. You keep going down this path, this direction, this is going to be the mess you're going to get into. But don't worry. My tears, I'll still be there. If you attack me, that's fine. The forgiveness that Jesus Christ has given me, I'll give to you. No problem. I don't have to worry about it. I will admonish you, though. You're going the wrong way. You're going to get into a mess. This is going to be ugly. This is going to get goofy. And this is what's going to happen to you. But don't worry. I'm going to still stand right here. That's what he's saying. And he says, you know what? It brings me to tears. It brings me to tears. Yeah, it does. Why? Because you know what? The sheep are prone to wander. You can shut the gate and they'll jump over the fence. They will. Okay, now look what he does. He shows his heart here. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And you people want to know why I have a problem with Christian counseling and psychology. You just make a note in your Bible that Terry struggles because of verse 32 in Acts 20. My God knows how dumb I am. And he says, I'm going to put you in charge of a job. I need you to do this job. And I know that you confuse so easily. I'm going to give you one tool. Because I don't want you to get confused. I'm going to give you the book. Okay, and you just take that book and you just keep giving that book. Okay, you worry about the death, I'll worry about the breath. And you know what? I don't know how many times that I can say that I looked at people and situations and scenarios and all I could do was get on my knees and say, Father, I commend this to you. May your word be glorified. Why? Because the word will only build you up, strengthen you. It will make you stronger. And you know what? It will give you the inheritance of those who are past tense. What? Sanctified. Paul says, let me defend myself. Just in case you're concerned about this, I have covered in no one's silver, gold, or clothes. Okay? What's he saying? Here I am. What you see is what you get. There's no ulterior motives. Uh, man, I cannot tell you how many times everybody says that they knew what I was thinking or knew what I... My wife don't know what I'm thinking. Okay? I, half the time, you guys are implying too much. I don't think that much. I think I know what he's thinking. You're overrating it. I don't strain my brain anymore than I have to. Okay? Do you guys understand that? 
This is a life that is laid out. It says, here it is. It's on the altar. Look at it. Well, I wonder what his motives are. You know what? There are a bunch of them out there who have motives. Okay, but understand that they're not leading in all humility. Here's what he says. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that working hard is a matter must help the weak. Okay? Hard work don't hurt you. Hard work don't hurt you. Do, you. do you see what happens here? He's saying, I want you to look like me. Now grab that for a second. I want you to think about that. What is the Great Commission? Go and make learners. Okay? Do you know that that is the verb aspect of a noun of a teacher? That's crazy stuff. Okay? It's crazy. All right? So what he's saying is, as the teacher, you need to be able to look at Jesus and say, See all them people? They look just like me. Okay? So do you understand why the Apostle Paul is doing what the Apostle Paul does? He's saying, you need to grab this. You need to understand it's the Word of God or it's the Word of God or it's the, you got it, Word of God. Anything less than that is man. And it will corrupt. It did the very leadership of the church in Ephesus. He was there three years teaching night and day. He laid his life on the line for these people. He laid it bare. Uh, we use the term that fishbowl existence. He didn't hide anything. And yet, you know what? They accused him. They accused him. And he laughs and he says, you know what? These who accuse me, what is their fruit? Are you not my fruit? I mean, I, Paul's got a great argument. Listen, dude, you're not even a church. I don't show up. <laughs> so you're telling me that God's using me? To do what? All right, why? Because he understood that he led because he knew what the will of God was and his life was an example of the existence of the will of God. He fed what? Sound word, sound word, sound word, sound word. Okay? He was alert. He paid attention. He says, I know when I leave, ravenous wolves will come. Even from among the leadership, they can come. He says, but I want you to judge sound doctrine. Know what you're teaching. Do not be a worker who's ashamed. Okay? Remember when we were studying Timothy in the house? There are vessels of honor and there are vessels of dishonor. Okay, do you know that there are Christians in the church today who are doing the will of Satan in the church? 2 Timothy 2. Think about that for a second. That's, that's nasty. Christians doing the will of Satan. And Paul tells Timothy, you pray for him <laughs> after you hit him. No, he didn't say that. It's not in their eyes. You pray for him. Why? That God would bring him to repentance. Why? Because remember in 31, he says, I admonished you with tears. Verse 32 says, this is going to be a courageous thing you're going to have to do. You've got to keep laying this thing out. You're going to judge with doctrine. Verse 33 says, I didn't covet. 
My life speaks. It was an example. Verse 34, you yourselves know what I look like. In verse 35, everything I showed you at working hard in this manner must help the weak. There are weak people who think I'm in the ministry now. I don't have to work. Verse 34, these hands I ministered. That's, that fly, fly, falls in line with Philippians 4.9. Things you've heard, things you received, things you've seen. Do these things in the peace of God. Okay, I want, I want to wrap this thing up. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ that he himself, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Okay. So I want to show you the conclusion here. This is a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. And I pray that uh, you don't have to learn this. Okay? 36, 37, 38. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep. Literally, it means there was considerable crying is the best term to use it there. They began to weep aloud, I think. This is what my translation says, but it means that there was considerable weeping of all people. Paul was weeping and the elders were weeping. And embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word that he had spoken. He would not see their faces again. And 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 they were accompanying him to the ship and then he sets sail you feed you warn you teach and you warn and you do it with a life of conviction what does the life say what does the life say you warn with tears that's a teaching pastor an elder an overseer they're all the same thing they're a shepherd they're a teacher okay here's the key how are you going to get to know whether their example is true if they don't stay in one place? Okay? How are you going to know if you don't stay in one place? See the difference? I see people today bouncing around. A new term was coined the other day that I heard um, church gypsies. How many people when they leave a church weep? You ever thought about that? I mean, that's what Paul's saying. I'm leaving this church and guess what? It causes me to cry. You ever th- Do you see how stupid we've gotten it? Is that a right term? Probably. They protect the flock. They build safeguards because they look at the congregation as a trust that has been given to them. This has been entrusted to my keeping. The Lord told Peter, what? Tend and feed. Okay? Um, There are so much out there today. I hear it so many ways. We teach, we lead, we warn, we direct. I I, I wrote rule down, but we hate that word. Do you know that the overseer rule? 
I hate that word. You know what? That was my week in Russia. I studied. I taught. I preached. I studied. I taught. I preached. I studied. I taught. I preached. That's it. That's all. Why? Because I wanted the people to know that to be warned. I wanted the people to know it's coming. I wanted the people to know that there's deceptions out there, even in Russia. What do you think I do here? So when I look at the evangelist, I look at the pastor, teacher, I look at they both operate on a biblical foundation, the foundation that was given to us by the apostles and prophets. The apostles and prophets were powered by the Holy Spirit. The evangelist is powered by the Holy Spirit. What do you suppose the pastor teacher is? And you know how he can always spot it? They're united to strengthen the saints. It's easy spot. All right, the Holy Spirit isn't divided. People ask me, so what about missionaries? Where are they at? Right here. Every one of you are missionaries. Well, I'm going on a missions trip. Why aren't you on one now? I mean, if you think you've got to go to Mexico to be on a missions trip, you missed it. Because a missions trip is from the time of your salvation to the time your faith becomes sight. And you know what? God has given pastor teachers to give solid doctrine. To the Lord Jesus is manifested in the body completely. Gifted men, gifted people, Christ has given to his church. You know what? You know what's exciting about that? We're sitting here this day and we're in on this we're in on this we're called to do this we're called to do this I know this that I can't do anything else but you know what also know that every one of you have been given to this church. And that's what we better be paying attention to. Because I don't see people leaving churches and weeping. I don't see them from the pulpits, and I don't see it from the congregations. I cannot imagine being anywhere else. Well, I can't. That would be in glory. I figure I'll be here, and then I'll be there. Okay? Ask yourself those questions. First of all, you appreciate the gifted people God has given you. And do you appreciate them enough that you would weep? Okay? I mean, we weep when people die, right? 
You know, I've watched people leave the fellowship only to jump into bed with Satan and they didn't weep. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for my brother Paul and uh, Lord, the example he set before us. Uh, Lord, this is uh, an urgent time, an urgent day, an urgent need. Father, I pray that we who gather this day, we who now are responsible for these words, hear you. Hear you, Lord. Father, we appreciate the body of Christ. We appreciate your precious bride. Father, we appreciate the people who make up that precious bride. And that, Father, that we would labor in sound doctrine. That, Father, that we would be united in your spirit, your words. Father, thank you for your text. Father, thank you. Thank you for doing amazingly more than what I could have ever dreamed. And yet, Father, I rejoice that we're not finished. And I praise you. And I thank you to your glory. Amen.